You're listening to audio from New King Church. If you'd like to get our weekly sermons, hit subscribe. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit newkingchurch.com. Morning, everybody. I'm thrilled that you're here uh, with us this morning. And uh, if you're just visiting, welcome. We're, we're glad to have you. Um, if, if you're here and you're just exploring Christianity and you came because you're curious about all of this, welcome. You're in a good, good place. Um, I hope that today we'll answer a lot of questions for you and, um, and bring up questions you didn't even know you had. I hope that, uh, I hope ultimately that today you are going to encounter God. And that's been my prayer. Um, my name's Ben. That was my wife, Tiffany, who just read the passage. We have five kids, um, two boys, three girls. Our oldest is about to be 12. I cannot believe that. Uh, and then our youngest is six months today. She turned six months today. Um, if you'd like a Bible, we want to give you one. Um, so if you slip your hand up, there are ladies in the back with nice Bibles that they want to just come by and drop in your lap so you can have a Bible, uh, so you can follow along with my sermon this morning. You can take that home as a gift from us. Um, I have this tendency to overextend myself. I don't know if anybody else struggles with that. Maybe that's just me. Um, to overschedule my weeks and to try and fit too much in, um, to go at a pace that tends to wear me down. Um, and I, I'm realizing I, I clearly think I can handle more than I can handle. And um, the fact of the matter is we're all prone to overdo it. This is actually not just a, a problem that I have. This is a problem we all have. Um, if you didn't know you had that problem, you do. <laughs> Um, unless you're the extreme exception, you have this, this problem. We're prone to overwork, overwatch, overeat. We're just prone to overdo it. Um, 86% of Americans work more than 45 hours per week. And uh, so we, we, over, we overdo it with work. But it's not just work. Uh, we have this tendency to overdo it with everything because we feel this need to experience everything possible, right? All the hikes, all the creamy stands, all the good movies, all the best concerts, all the get-togethers with our friends, all the good bike rides, coffee shops, and the best new restaurants, the church events, the kids' sports, the after-school activities. Um, we, just, we just try to do it all, don't we? This is our final message in this series that we've been doing for the last, this is our third week, um, about slowing down in this fast-paced world. we we look around us and we recognize that the pace with 
which we are living, our lives is killing us. Um, it's, it's killing our relationship with God. And so we started this series. The premise for the series has been it is impossible to live constantly hurried, constantly busy, constantly in motion, and to be spiritually awake. And God has given us a gift to help us with that. Um, today, we're, we're talking about the gift of the Sabbath. The Sabbath. Um, without the rhythm of Sabbath, we default to remaining constantly in motion. We might take a day off of work, but we don't slow down. Um, and practicing a slowed-down spirituality, what we've been talking about these three weeks, requires that you stop. You stop moving one day in seven and rest. Um, this is more than just a day off, so before you, you know, check out and think, well, I take a day off every week, I don't need, I don't need this one, uh, it's more than that, so, so hang with me, okay? Um, Sabbath is a lot more than just a day off. True Sabbath is a day to stop, tune out all the noise, you know, all the pings and dings and the phone calls and the texts and the, all the noise, all the busyness, and to tune into God intentionally. It's a day to cease and celebrate and feast and be with God. It's a day to be refueled for the next six. In recent months, God's been teaching me about this. Um, I started just to, to study this a little bit more in depth, and I found that what I thought that I was doing as Sabbath wasn't really Sabbath. And now, and I'm still learning about this, but this has become something wonderful to me, something I look forward to all week long, something so refreshing, and I mean, I just, I want this for all of us. Um, it's a day for me to be fully present with my family, uh, to be dad and be focused on my kids. It's a day for me to be fully present with friends. It's a day for me to leave my phone in another room. It's a day to sleep in. And I am finding that it is giving life to my entire week. It's truly a gift, this day that God has given to us. This is not given to us to be a burden, but a delight. This morning, we're going to learn where the whole idea of Sabbath comes from, according to the Bible, why it is so important if we want to be healthy, whole disciples of Jesus. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're here just exploring things, you're actually going to see why this is even relevant to you. So uh, pray with me one more time, and then we'll, we'll dive right in. Father, I am 
so excited to preach your word this morning. I am so honored to just get to talk about you to each person that's here. I'm so thrilled that you brought each person that's here, that, God, you have plans this morning. There are things you are going to do, and we thank you in advance. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just be free to move in here and in our hearts. Be free to rearrange our thinking, um, to get us thinking rightly about Sabbath and about you, and reveal your Son, Jesus, to us more clearly today. I pray it in His name, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to break the sermon down into three big parts, because Sabbath is actually this complex thing. It's really complex. Um, And I'm going to break this down into just a brief section on what it is, what is a Sabbath. Then we're going to talk about what it actually has to do with Jesus, because it has everything to do with Jesus. And then we're going to talk about why it's really relevant today and why it's needed today. So that's where we're going. We're going to start out with what it is. What is the Sabbath? And Tiffany read that foundational text. This is where it comes from. Um, So if you got a Bible, look at Genesis 2, 1 through 3. If you don't, Uh, We've got it on the screen for you. I'm going to read it again. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is why we have seven days in our week. I don't know if you know that. Um, This is the foundation for a seven-day week. 24-hour days exist because that's how long it takes for us to rotate all the way around on our axis. axis. We... We base our months on the waxing and waning of the moon. We have years that take 365 days because that's how long it takes to go all the way around the sun. But the reason we have seven-day weeks is this, because in six days, God created the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, He rested. That's why we have this. And so, whether you knew it or not... um, Every week, we have this built-in reminder that God created everything. And He blessed the seventh day. He made it holy. The word for rested there is savath in the Hebrew. It can also be translated stopped or ceased. So, The roots of Sabbath go all the way back to the second chapter of the Bible. Um, God rested not because he was tired. God can't get tired. He has no limits 
There's no limits to his energy, his creative power. He rested because he wanted to. He rested because he wanted to enjoy the creation that he had just made, the good creation that he had just made. As we continue reading the Bible, this idea of weekly rest comes back up in the second book of the Bible, in Exodus. And a lot has happened by that point, but God has called out for himself a people, the Israelites, and they then became um, enslaved in the land of Egypt for 400 years. And then God miraculously rescues them out of their slavery and calls them out into the wilderness to get to know him. And he begins to teach them about Sabbath. It's one of the first things that we see that God starts to teach his people. In Exodus 16, so he starts to feed his people miraculously. They go to bed at night, and in the morning, you know, we wake up and there's dew on the ground. Well, they would wake up, and there would be this, like a dew, but it, it was like a crust across the ground. And it was called manna. And they would go, and they would gather this manna up, collect it, and they could bake it, and basically make bread, and so God does this for six days each week, but then on the seventh day, he doesn't. Um, it's interesting because every day, if they collected more than they needed for that day, then whatever was left over would, would be rotting and have maggots in it the next morning. So they were only to collect what they needed for that day, except on the sixth day. On the sixth day, they would collect double their portion and save it. And the next morning on the seventh, it wouldn't be rotting. It wouldn't be stinking. And they would have food for that day. Exodus 16, 23 tells us, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. And then in verse 26, he says, Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. So he's already beginning to teach them about this. Now, in Exodus chapter 20, he gives them what's known as the Ten Commandments. So look at Exodus chapter 20 now. Verse 8, he gives the fourth commandment. And here's what he says. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now here's what I want you to see. This was a gift to the people of God. Think about this. In 400 years, they had not had a day off. In 400 years, they hadn't had a day off. Their parents hadn't had a day off. 
Their grandparents hadn't had a day off. Their great-grandparents hadn't had a day off. And now God says, you must rest every week. Harsh, huh? This is a gift. It's a gift. A day that God blessed and made holy. And he says, I want you every week to stop and rest. But that's only part of the reason that God gave it. Only part of the reason was was because it was a gift for them to, to rest and that they needed to be rejuvenated. There's an even bigger purpose behind the Sabbath. God was actually prophetically pointing to Jesus. And so that's the second part of my message. Now, we're going to transition into that. The prophetic purpose of Sabbath has been revealed in Jesus. Hebrews 4, 9 through 10 says, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. I want to explain that. Um, I need to give you some background. Before Jesus came, the, the people of God, they, they related to God through a covenant, the old covenant. That's what we call it. They didn't call it the old covenant because it was the only covenant with God at the time. We call it the Old Covenant because when Jesus came, he inaugurated a new covenant. Um, the Old Covenant, well, let me, let me show you a slide. Let's, let's put that slide up with the uh, comparing these two. So the Old Covenant was a works-based covenant. Um, it required animal sacrifices to be made over and over and over and over again in order for sins to be covered. Um, there were tons and tons of ceremonial laws. Priests had to carry out all these different things in order for people to be able to relate to God. The people of God, their lives were governed by God's law and law-keeping. And they obeyed God in order to be accepted by God. That's sort of a summary of the old covenant. When Jesus came, he inaugurated a new covenant, a covenant that is based in grace. Now we relate to God by grace. Christ now is our final sacrifice to do away with sin. So instead of having to to sacrifice animals endlessly, He made the once-for-all-time perfect sacrifice to cover sin. Now, we relate to God by grace through faith. And our lives, rather than being governed by the law, are governed by the Holy Spirit who is within us, who leads us to obey God because we are accepted, not so that we will be. And it is a much better covenant. Um, In fact, the old covenant doesn't even compare to the new covenant. 
Romans, 5, Romans 4, 5 says, To the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. The new covenant revealed that if you want to be justified before God, you cannot rely on your works to be accepted. So many people think that at the end of their lives, they're going to stand before God if they believe in a God, and they believe that they're going to be, you know, judged by their works, and their works are going to be placed on basically scales, and if their good works outweigh their bad works, then they get in. And here's the problem with that, is that it's not true. I mean, that's the problem with it. It's not true. That's not how it's going to go down. And you can't be good enough. You, you actually cannot be good enough to be made right with God. Um, what the new covenant shows us is that it is Jesus Christ who justifies the ungodly. It shows us that it is only through faith in Jesus that you will be able to stand before him on that day. And that if you have put your faith in him, you will be able to stand. I'm going to explain that in more depth. But So the new covenant is a covenant of rest from our works for righteousness. It's not a covenant that means that you don't ever do good works. Not at all. It's, it's a covenant that means you don't do good works to earn your righteousness before God. You actually can't add anything to the perfect righteousness of Christ. And there's no need to. It's perfect. The Bible tells us that we have no hope in and of ourselves to be good enough to stand before God. The Bible calls our rebellion against God sin, and we do this all the time. I mean, we sin daily, more than daily. We go against God's will and His ways. And the Bible talks about that the, the penalty of that sin is, is eternal separation from God. Um, but this is why New King Church is all about Jesus Christ, because He came to deal with that. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to earth and lived a perfectly sinless life, the life we could never live. And then... He went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin in our place. A, a penalty that we could never have paid. He gave His life for us in our place, making the perfect sacrifice for sin. Those who put their faith in Him are credited with the perfect life He lived. So listen, Christian, every single time you pray, Every time. When you come before God, you are coming only through that perfect righteousness. Don't believe the lie 
that it's based on how you've been doing the past few days. Because that's just not true. When you believe that you've been doing good enough, guess what? Then you're coming in pride. You're leaning on the wrong thing. On your best day, His righteousness is the only thing that gives you a standing before God. And on your worst day, His righteousness gives you a perfect standing before God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, meaning those who have put their trust in Him, who've believed in Him, no condemnation. That's the good news about Jesus. And not only did He provide righteousness for us, and not only did He pay the penalty for us and take our sins away, then He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, and He sent His Spirit to indwell us. So He has also given us the power needed to obey God. So it's His power working through Christians when we obey God. We never get to say, like, I mean, I am really killing it. You know, I'm doing awesome. It's always Him. It's only Him. It's always Jesus. He has literally done all the work. And that is what Sabbath is really about. Sabbath is about the fact that Jesus has given us rest. First and foremost, because He perfectly performed the works of the law for our righteousness. And secondly, because He empowers us by His own Spirit to obey God. Doesn't that sound like rest? And so Sabbath all along was a sign pointing to Jesus and still is a sign pointing to Jesus. Colossians 2.16 and 17 says, um, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in question, questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The substance of Sabbath belongs to Christ. He himself said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. It's a shadow, a picture of something bigger and more real and more profound. That's what shadows are. They are images of something with more substance than themselves, something more real than themselves. That's what the Sabbath is. It's pointing us to this rest that we have in Christ. If you are a Christian, you have this rest now, and you will fully realize it in heaven with Him. So the prophetic purpose of Sabbath has been revealed in Jesus. And this brings me to the third part of the sermon. So does it matter if we practice Sabbath today. And I, I just want to say, 
Yes, it matters. <laughs> yes, it matters. Um, and I, and I want to explain why. God originally, in the very beginning, gives Sabbath to human beings because we need it. Okay? We need it, first and foremost. Mark 2.27, Jesus says this, and it tells us a lot about the Sabbath. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, God didn't make us to serve Sabbath as if, you know, that was the purpose of our existence. He gave Sabbath, He made Sabbath to serve human beings because we need it. Now, there's confusion about whether or not we should continue to observe a Sabbath. And I think largely because when you read through the life of Jesus in the Bible, this keeps coming up. The topic of Sabbath keeps coming up. Um, you'll find all these times where religious leaders are they're trying to get to corner Jesus, and, and one of the ways they keep trying to corner him and, and, and make a case that he isn't good is by saying, well, you break the Sabbath because you heal people on the Sabbath, and that's working, <laughs> which is hilarious to me. How dare he heal someone on the Sabbath? And he continues to make the point that it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And it all comes back to this, because Sabbath was made for the benefit of man, not man for the Sabbath. And so he continues to do things that benefit us on the Sabbath. He heals people on the Sabbath. And of course, what they don't realize is that what he blatantly says to them is that he is Lord of the Sabbath. He can do whatever he wants. He is Lord. He owns the Sabbath. But he tries to show them by his life that, that they are thinking about this day all wrong. They're asking the wrong questions. Um, and if you are constantly thinking about, like, how much activity can I do on Sabbath? Or what day do I need to do this? What day do I have to do this Sabbath thing? You're, you're asking the wrong questions, too. <laughs> it's perhaps the right question to ask would be, what would it look like for me to honor God? on my day of rest? What would it look like for me to honor the God who made me and the God who determined that I would need a day of rest once a week with this day? The history tells us that the earliest followers continued to honor a Sabbath. The earliest disciples, they didn't look at Jesus' teachings and think, this means that we just work seven days a week. They did, not, they did not think that. They continued 
to honor the Sabbath. So, I think, um, I, I believe that this has prophetic purpose in, in Jesus, and that even though Jesus has come, it still has prophetic purpose. We are still looking to His return. We are still longing for that final and perfect rest. And so Sabbath is still prophetically pointing us to our final rest in Him. And it's also doing more than that. It's, it's refreshing us because we need it, because we're human beings. It's helping to protect us from breaking down physically and emotionally and spiritually. I read a book a couple years ago called Reset, dealing with burnout. And in the book, it said that the vast majority of pastors who were burning out stated that they had not taken a practice of Sabbath seriously. And burnout's becoming an epidemic in our society, as I've talked about before. But Sabbath is more than just a day of rest. It's more than just taking the weekend off. It's a day that should drastically change the pace of the rest of your life. It's a day where you actually stop and cease. It means you are intentionally focused on connecting with God. It means that you are intentionally thinking about how you need rest. It, it means that you're thinking about how to do that unto the Lord. And trust me, it isn't easy to do in our crazy, busy culture. It isn't easy. In order to do this, if you're not currently doing it, and I hope you're thinking about doing it if you're not already, in order to do this, it's going to mean that you're going to have to plan ahead. I have had to schedule in my week Sabbath prep. There is a chunk in my week where I have to devote my time to doing all the things that I'm going to be tempted to do on my Sabbath. <laughs> like, and I don't ever get done with that list. I don't. But in order for me to actually rest on my Sabbath, I'm finding I'm having to do Sabbath prep earlier in the week. Um, it's going to take saying no to things, guarding your schedule. It's going to take maybe that awkward, you know, no to somebody where they say why, and you say because I'm, I'm going to be Sabbathing, and they go, what are you? Who are you? It's going to take unplugging, turning off your phone, not checking your email. It's, it's, going to come up with, it's going to require coming up with boundaries. What are those boundaries for you so that you can actually rest that day? Besides being rested, I want to, I want to give you three things that I think that we gain when we begin to practice regular rhythms of Sabbath. These, these rhythms of Sabbath train us Number one, Sabbath reminds us that we are not God. We're not God. Ezekiel 20.12, 20, 
It says, Moreover, I gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. Sabbath acknowledges that God is our provider. The reason, if we're honest, that we have such a hard time stopping is because we aren't sure if the world's going to keep spinning if we do. What's going to happen if I stop? And, and And it actually takes stopping and taking your hands off for a day to realize that the world keeps going without you. Um, It's a way of us saying, I am not God, and God, I trust you to be God. To take care of all the things that I'm anxious about. All of the things that I feel like aren't done, that I could be doing today, I trust you with that. Here's something else I'm learning. I am never caught up with my to-do list, ever. If you say, I will take a Sabbath when my to-do list is caught up, you will never take a Sabbath. And so it requires just putting that thing down and saying, it'll have to wait another day. There's always work to be done. But Sabbath reminds us that we are not God and we can trust Him to take care of us. The second thing it reminds us is that we are accepted. And this goes back to the prophetic purpose of Sabbath. Hebrews 4.10, whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. We are addicted to achieving more and more and more and accumulating more and more and more. We never achieve enough. We never have enough. But it says, whoever has entered God's rest, that means those who have believed in Jesus have entered God's rest. For them, the Sabbath is about remembering God's finished work, Christ's finished work for you on the cross. That He did the work for you, and therefore you are accepted, fully accepted, because of his work. We don't have to earn anything from God anymore. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to earn anything. It's all been given. I can't remember the, who said it, but there's a quote about that grace is not opposed to effort but it is opposed to earning. We're not earning anything before God. God has already fully accepted us, and we remember that on the Sabbath. The third thing that the Sabbath reminds us is that we must slow down. We must slow down. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you were still? Just the last time you just sat in a hammock and enjoyed God. 
I'm convinced that one of the reasons we have such a hard time living a slowed-down spirituality is because we have neglected the Sabbath day. We never stop, and so the momentum from each week just carries into the next. And we move at dizzying speeds. We're always going, always checking, keeping up with all the email and the text and social media and everything else. Taking a day to rest will help you to have right perspective. You'll see the speed that everyone else around you is moving when you finally stop. When you're running with the crowd, it's difficult to notice the rat race. But when you pull out and stop for a moment, it changes your perspective. It will actually change the pace at which you live for the rest of your week. Adam Mabry, a pastor in, in Boston, says, By forgetting to stop, we forget God. Restlessness, he says, which is our refusal to lay down our work so we can open our arms to God, means our busy hands are always full. If we won't stop to experience the glory of God in rest, we won't be able to glorify Him in work either. I agree. If we can't stop to enjoy God on a day of rest, how will we enjoy Him in the middle of the whirlwind the rest of the week? If it is impossible to live constantly hurried, constantly busy, constantly in motion, and be spiritually awake, then how crucial is it that we stop once a week, that we rest once a week, and and focus our minds on God. If you're not intentionally observing a Sabbath yet, I hope you're considering what this would look like. Um, Ask yourself what specific changes you would have to make in order to pull this off. And then, I want to tell you this, it's going to be a process. It, It is not easy if you have not been doing this to begin to put this in your week, you will find that your busy hands will want to keep on going on your day of rest. You will find that your busy mind will want to stay focused on work on your day of rest. And so this is a process, and I just want to encourage you to go into it knowing that, that this is, this is going to take time to learn. It isn't convenient but it glorifies God, and it will do much for your soul. Bow with me, and let's, let's pray. If you are in this room this morning, and you're not a follower of Jesus yet, I want to take just a minute to talk with you. The all-powerful, all-knowing creator of the universe is here this morning, and he formed you and He knows you by name. And if you haven't yet surrendered control of your life to Him and believed in His Son, Jesus, then you don't yet know this incredible God. And you can't yet enter the rest that He's offering you. You can't until first you believe in His Son, Jesus. You have to surrender control to Him 
and believe in him so that your sin and rebellion against him can be wiped out. Today, it may be that you are hearing his voice calling to you to trust him. And if you are, I just want to plead with you, do not harden your heart with unbelief. Turn to him, lay down your sins, raise that white flag of surrender, and stop fighting against him. Believe that Jesus died to pay the price for your sins, that he rose from the grave after three days. Right now, you can trust him and start a new life in him. If you want to do that, then all you do is lay down your sin and turn to him. And you can pray something like this. God, I'm done fighting against you. I want to raise the flag of surrender. I lay down my sins. I want you to take control and lead me from now on. I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. Make me pure through his work on the cross. Forgive me and accept me as your own because of Jesus. Amen. This morning, if you prayed that prayer, and if you meant it in your heart, then you have become a child of God, a son or a daughter of God adopted into his family. And you have begun the greatest journey ever known to man, the journey of following Jesus. And it is not the easy road. It is not the life of no suffering and all prosperity. That is not what following Jesus is. But it is, it is the good life the truly good life. And so if, if you've put your trust in him today, we want to know about it. We want to help you. We want to resource you. We want to come alongside you and answer any questions that you may have. And that's where that connect card comes in. So if you put your trust in Jesus today, be sure before you leave to indicate so on that connect card in front of you.